invite you to come uh, join me in uh, turning to Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, we're going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verses 1 through 14. And uh, just uh, the pr prior verses so that we can have the context for verse 14, which is our text tonight. Uh, verse 14 um, it gives one of those great promises that, as we saw earlier, is quoted in Matthew's Gospel concerning the Messiah who is to come. And uh, so uh, turn with me then to Isaiah chapter 7, and our reading is 1 through 14. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramiah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. And when the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to me, Ahaz, you and Shershabub, your son, in the, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of Rezin and of and Syria, and the son of Ramaya, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramaya has devised evil against you, saying, "Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it." And thus says the Lord God, it will not stand, it shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. We do thank you for this account, O Lord, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would be present in the reading and in the preaching in the hearing, that we might benefit from that which we have heard this night, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
the, uh, you have, uh, if you have been a Christian for any time, you uh, realize, and if you are a new Christian, you will soon realize that there will be uh, times that occur in your life where you hear words and you receive news that uh, change your world as you know it. Mary heard that when the angel came to her and said to her that she would be blessed and that she would conceive and have a child, and she was puzzled. And when the angel explained to her how that would be, she submitted to that word. Joseph, when he heard that his uh, soon-to-be wife the woman to whom he was engaged was uh, with child, heard news that uh, changed his plans forever. And he determined to quietly divorce her. And it wasn't until the angel came and revealed to him what exactly was happening that Joseph also submitted to that word of the angel. He did as the Lord commanded him. If you reach a point in your life when you hear news that changes your life, the people who you tend to go to will be those who are close to you. You'll confide in them. You'll seek their guidance and wisdom and love. And if they love you, they will remind you of the promises of God. We read tonight of a king, the king of Judah, Ahaz, King Ahaz. And you remember that uh, he got news that the king of Ephraim, the, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, was joining forces with the, with the kingdom of Syria to attack the, the uh, southern kingdom of Judah and to replace Ahaz with someone else to put on the throne and what was uh, Ahaz, how did he respond? We, we read about it in uh, verse 2. It says, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Maybe you've been in that position where your heart has been shaken and you don't feel a sense of any stability in your life, and you wonder, what is next? Those times are extremely difficult, and they are times of testing. And that's what we see here. We see that the, that the Lord takes this moment of crucial testing for Ahaz, and he presents Ahaz with a challenge. And you got to remember, Ahaz was not a godly man. He was not a godly king. He did not love the Lord. He was not pious. And yet God, in his grace, sent the prophet Isaiah to remind him of the goodness of God and God's promise to him and to call him to faith. And so we read of these, this verse, verse 4, and say to him, and this is, this, these are words that uh, 
I could see being said to you and to me at times when our hearts are shaking like the leaves on a tree. Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. These two men who had come up with such a, a plan that caused Ahaz to be fearful, and God calls Ahaz to faith. His heart was shaking. He had no sense of security or firmness. And yet, at the end of verse 9, we read, If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Our great need, is it not, in moments of crisis especially, but always, is stability, a firmness that comes through faith and trust in the promise of God, that God gives his word, and we then are called to rest, to be quiet, to be careful, to trust in the word of God to us. So what I want us to see in the, these verses tonight, first, a test of faith for the house of David. Now, it is a test of faith for Ahaz, but you will notice that in verse 13, the prophet Isaiah addresses him to the, himself to the whole house of David. Ahaz is the then king of the house of David, but he represents the whole lineage of David. And the whole lineage of David and the kings that came from him were uh, some of them godly, but many of them wicked. So we see then a test, this test of faith. Uh, he hears this news and his heart is shaken. God in his goodness sends prophet, the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz to challenge him to put his faith in the Lord. And that's, that first challenge is in the verses 3 through 9. In verses 10 through 14, we have then another invitation to faith. And, and, and here you see the graciousness of God to this man who was a wicked king. The Lord spoke to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. And so, first of all, then, the Lord, through the prophet, invites Ahaz to ask of him a sign. And, uh, to, uh, and, and that the Lord promises here that he gives him uh, motivation to ask by promising him, ask me anything, as high as heaven or as deep as Sheol. What an encouragement for Ahaz to pray. What an encouragement for Ahaz to come uh, before God in faith and trust. The Lord makes this wicked man such uh, 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 an offer 
And the question is, will Ahaz place his trust in that, in that offer? Will he trust in the Lord and his protection of the house of David? Will he trust in the Lord or will he come with his own plans uh, and trust in Assyria to rescue him from the plans of uh, Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia? Could the Lord be trusted to do what he had promised? And this is the test. But then we see, secondly, how Ahaz responds to the test. He utterly fails. He utterly fails. He refuses to do that, which God himself invited him to do. God said, pray, ask. I'll give you a sign. And Ahaz, in mock, pious humility, there's no piety in this man, he says, I will not ask the Lord, and I will not put the Lord to the test. It was not putting the Lord to the test to do that which the Lord invited him to do. It's not putting the Lord to the test for you and me when we pray to ask of God trusting in the promise that he gives to us. But we're not surprised by this failure of Ahaz because faith is not native to us as sinners. It is not something that we are able to exercise. John Owen says the immediate cause of faith is divine revelation. Okay, God came to uh, uh, Ahaz and said, ask of me a sign. He was invited. He was given that revelation. And John Owen continues to say, it is not, that is, faith is not the effect or product of our own abilities, the best of which are flesh and blood. The faith which renders a person blessed is wrought in them by the power of God revealing Christ to their soul. So Ahaz here reveals himself to be a man without grace and unwilling to venture in trust and faith in the promise and the invitation of God to him. But at this crucial juncture for the house of David, at this crucial point in, in Judah's history, the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, Said, announces to Ahaz a revelation that will be, will, which, which will reverberate through the ages and the years until the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. He announces to him what God is going to do to save his people. He gives him a revelation. And he gives him a revelation that calls all of us who hear it to adoration and to wonder. And we also are called to rest, to trust, and believe in the one who is promised. And so the Lord reveals the foundation of our of, 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 of that which he is about to do in the announcement of these words. Therefore, 
The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the Lord here provides for Ahaz and for you and for me a sign. And that sign, and we can divide this into two parts. First, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And secondly, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So first we want to see that the Lord reveals that the foundation for the trust for Ahaz and for you and for me tonight is that the Messiah will come and he will be born of a virgin. Now here is what it says. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That is, the one who is the foundation of faith will be born and he will come, he will be conceived in the womb of his mother. He will be conceived and he will be born. And so this is a promise that God had made to David. Remember from 2 Samuel 7, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. He shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. That was a promise that was made to David. And here, the prophet Isaiah is saying that this son of David will be born. There will be a king who comes from David, who is born of a woman. And the reason that this Messiah must be born of a woman is that he must be fully human. He must be one of us. He must be one of his brothers. And that is because all of us have sinned and gone astray. We have broken God's commandments. And therefore, that redemption, if it is to be accomplished, must be accomplished by one who is like us, who is a man. Our redemption must be by one who is our kinsman redeemer. He must share with you and with me that nature that we have, that human nature. And it is with and in that nature that he will obey God's commandments and offer his life as a sacrifice for sin. So that is exactly what is fulfilled in this Christmas story. It is what we read about earlier this evening. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent forth his son to be born of a woman. 
And so it was important that he be born of a woman, yet he could not be born in an ordinary way. Consider the fact that God could have made a man out of dust again. He could have formed the Messiah out of the dust of the ground, as he did with Adam. But if that was the case, then he would not be related to us. He would not be lineally descended and a part of our race, but there would be a a, a different kind of being. He would not be our near kin. And then also consider this, that it could have been that God could have caused the Messiah to be born of an ordinary father and mother. But what is the problem with that? If the Messiah was born in the ordinary way of a father and a mother, then he would share in the guilt of Adam because Adam and all who were in him share in the guilt of that first sin. Sin came into the world, Paul tells us in Romans, through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So the Messiah could, had to be born of a, of a woman, but he could not be born in an ordinary way. But the Lord revealed that it would be that the Messiah would be conceived in the womb and born. He would be truly man, and yet he would be free of sin. He must be holy, harmless, and undefiled, and separate from sinners, as the writer of Hebrews puts it. And so the Lord showed his wisdom and his power when he provided in this promise that the Messiah would be conceived and born of a virgin without the agency of an earthly father. He would be born a man, yet without an earthly father. And so the human nature of the Messiah would be the creation, the uh, the result of the creating work of the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin who had not known a man, and the Holy Spirit would take that nature, purify it, and separate it, And in the instant of the conception, that nature was assumed by the Son of God. And so that nature, that human nature that was born of the Virgin Mary, that person that was born of the Virgin Mary, is holy, undefiled, and free from sin. It is not the sinlessness of Mary that is the result of, that is the cause of the sinlessness of the one to whom she gives birth. But it is the working of the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, purifying that nature which was assumed by the Son of God that caused this miracle to take place. This is the miracle. This is beyond anything God has done. 
up until that point in his ordinary providence in his government of the world. And so Luke says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb. These are the words to Mary. And bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, that child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so we see then from this text the first thing that God does to establish a firm foundation of faith is he provides one who is born of a a virgin, who is conceived in a virgin's womb without the agency of a father by the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit who shares our nature. But we see secondly that the Lord revealed through the prophet Isaiah that the Messiah will be Emmanuel. The Messiah will be Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel means God with us. And so here comes the second part of that foundation of faith. It is that God himself will assume this nature the creating the creation of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, God the Son will, will take this nature and uh, take it to himself and uh, become the God-man. So we've arrived at the idea that the Messiah will be fully human and sinlessly so. But if that was all that it was, then the obedience, if he was merely a sinless man, the obedience he offered would be the obedience that he owed by the law of creation. For everyone who is created by God is bound to live in obedience to the Creator. It would have been that which was due from him to God. And it would not have had any value for anyone else. But that which God did in the Son taking this nature means that it is God himself who undertakes our redemption. No human descendant of David could do it. And it is at this juncture of crisis where Ahaz shows he's utterly unwilling to believe the promise of God that God here says, in a sense, I've had it, in, I've, I've had it with, with the descendants of David. I am going to do something new. I am going to uh, myself, by my own power, the power of my eternal uh, 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 Ability, I will redeem my people and give a foundation for faith. Uh, the, the, the obedience of, of a, a man, a mere man, would be effective for himself only. It would, be, uh, it would not uh, be, be such that it could be applied to someone else. Another thing that is necessary for the Messiah is that not only would he need to render obedience to the law, but he would need to uh, 
pay the penalty that Ahaz and all of the idolatrous uh, people of, of Israel had brought upon them, the curse of the law. The one who would be the God-man would pay the debt to justice that Israel had brought upon herself. And this God provided by making himself to live under the law and placing himself under the curse of the law, making himself to, as Paul would say, to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us. And God himself, in our nature, satisfied the just requirement of the law. He exhausted the curse of the law in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And that sacrifice would be such that it would have infinite value because it is God's act himself. As the Apostle Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. God was in Christ reconciling to himself, not counting uh, the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. You see? That in him we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God. And therefore, the Son of God, the infinite, eternal Son of God, condescended and assumed and took to himself the nature made for him by the Holy Spirit from the virgin's womb, and in that nature, he was obedient to the law. He fulfilled it perfectly. And in that nature, he paid the penalty for sin. And so it is that the Lord provided a firm foundation. It is a miracle beyond comprehension that God should do this. The Westminster Confession of Faith puts it this way in chapter 8. And, uh, it says, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary, of her substance, so that two whole, perfect, distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ. And so the Lord accomplished our redemption and provided a firm foundation for those who would hear of this sign and put their faith in him. His work on the cross secures our eternal salvation. He is the God-man. He is the one who is the rock 
upon which the church is founded. In the words of John Newton, this doctrine is the only foundation of hope for an awakened conscience, the only standard by which we can properly estimate the evil of sin, the worth of the soul, and the love of God. And he goes on to say this, the sinner who makes this one, the sinner who makes it his plea, builds his hope upon a rock which cannot be removed. It is an amazing thing what God has accomplished in the providing of one who is fully man, who is born of a woman, and is able to act on our behalf, to be united to us, who bears our nature, and yet that God himself would act in the person of the Son of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, in such a way that that which he does has infinite value and is a firm foundation of faith for all who trust in him. Ahaz, when called to place his confidence in the Lord, refused. So I invite you tonight, whatever your circumstances may be, you may be in a position where your heart is unsettled. Will you place your faith and your trust in this one whom God has given to you not only to obey the law for you, to pay the law's penalty of, of the curse of the law for you, but to bring you fully to the uttermost, to save you all throughout your life until he brings you to his eternal kingdom. The Lord says, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, this one who is the Messiah, this one who is fully God and fully man, is the source of everything that you need. Trust him tonight. Let's pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we do thank you for the revelation that you gave so long ago that you fulfilled and uh, we have read of its fulfillment. Uh, we thank you for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, for all he has accomplished, for all that he has done. Help us, O oh God, not to be those who are shaking in unbelief, but help us to be men who are firm, men and women and children who are firm in faith and trust believing the promise that you have given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.